Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 287 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, the godfather, the veteran presence, Bill Lack. How are you today, Bill? I'm tired, man. Tired? How how long has this season been going on? Is this like a marathon 12-year season or something? Oh, you know, in March, we're all so excited. <laughs> and with the well, Cincinnati you know, Reds. If still playing for something, or if, or if the Reds were still playing halfway decent, maybe we'd still be uh, excited. But, boy, I tell you what, it's it's I, ha- I honestly haven't watched more than a couple of minutes of a game in a couple of weeks. I haven't watched more than a couple minutes of a game in about six years. <laughs> no, it just seems like six years. It does, yes. So uh, the status is the Reds are sort of struggling to the uh, the end zone, and uh, they've won 67 games at this point. 67 games is exactly the same number of wins they had last year, and this year they got there with 16 games remaining. So presuming they don't go 0-16, and, and I'm not ready to presume that, but if they don't, then they will, uh, in fact, better last year's win total of 67. But they'd have to still win uh, two more games to beat uh, the 68 wins they had in 2017 and 2016. Uh, uh. <laughs> it's just... Uh. I mean, that's really, really... And they're not in last place. In, in, in terms of record, this has been a very disappointing season. Yeah, I mean, in terms of wins and losses, I don't. I mean, I don't see how you can you can put it any other way. I mean, there've been times that this team's been a lot of fun to watch and got you real excited, but they just never seem to be able to get over get out of their own way. Uh, you, you know, get over the top. You know, run off that, that eight or ten, twelve game winning streak that we that I know we talk about. I I thought for sure at some point they'd run off eight or ten wins in a row. I thought it was inevitable. I mean, really. Uh, we were wrong. Yes, we were. But it, you know, and I heard you. And I listened to you and Jason last week, and uh, you know, you, you, you said you still believe this team's better than their record, and, and I, I kind of do too. But it's hard to make that argument. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do believe that, but I'm not sure that uh, the evidence backs me up. Uh, yeah. They're just sixty-seven and seventy-nine now. This might be showing through just a little bit. Maybe. It is the best winning percentage they've had in a season since 2014. Which is so far. So far. Um, yeah, they could still. And then giving away two in the last two nights that they should probably should have won. They're losing to bad teams now. I mean, it's, yeah. it's really ugly. I mean, it's just it's it's as bad a. Uh, well, actually, all year they, they've played pretty well against good teams. True, true. Do you think they need to bring Brian Price back? No. No, thank you. Yeah. No, thank you very much. Let's get into what little news there is uh, from the week. There's not a, not a ton of news, but uh, let's start with uh, Nick Senzel, who uh, it turns out may not play again this year. His shoulder's not getting better, according to David Bell. And so his uh, rookie season might be over at this point. So I guess uh, the what I wanted to talk about with you, Bill, is – how do we evaluate Nick Senzel's rookie year if it is, in fact, over at this point? Do you have any thoughts on Senzel? 
I'll be honest, he hasn't played as well as I expected him to play. But, and, and I think you guys talked a little bit about this last week too, I still have some injury concerns about Senzel. You know, it's always something different, but he never seems to be able to stay healthy for, you know, a, a real long, long period of time. But I'm not off the Senzel bandwagon by any stretch of the imagination. The uh, the Senzel injury stuff, really, is just the last couple of years. He'd been remarkably healthy his entire life until then. Um, but, I, you know, he's he certainly has had different uh, different little injuries. Through through the end of July this year, he was hitting 285, 346 on base, 475 slugging. And, you know, that's a really good rookie season. And uh, now the season, if his season is over, it's going to be, you know, 104 games. 256 average, 315 slugging. I mean, it's a. I think he would concede it's a disappointing year, but it's not a terrible year, and it is a year from a 24-year-old rookie who uh, he can he can build on. And I, I'm no less excited about Nick Senzel's future than I was. No, and, before and you season. wonder, and you and you wonder if the shoulder drug the numbers down in the last you know month or whatever to the to point where they are. Uh, if you if if you asked me at the beginning of the year, when we talked, and we all knew Senzel was going to be up sooner rather than later, some of us wanted him up sooner than others. But if you'd have told me he was going to end the year with an eighty nine OPS plus, I would I'd have said I would be very surprised about that. I thought he'd be about league average or better. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, it's the numbers are less uh, than I expected, and again, I think he would agree with that. But but again, even what, taking that into consideration, I don't know what the reason was. His numbers dipped so much there. Then maybe it was the injury. I don't know. But I do know that I am literally. I, I'm no less uh, excited about what he's going to bring for the Reds next few years than I was before the season. So I'm still absolutely firmly on the Senzel bandwagon. And the reason why is what we saw from him this year was a, a guy who really understands what he's doing. Okay, first of all, rookies are going to struggle sometimes. We've talked about that many many times. Yep. But this is a guy who, well, let, let me put it this way. Uh, he's a rookie seeing the league for the first time. Uh, 414 plate appearances. Uh, Jose Peraza and Jose Iglesias together had more than twice as many plate appearances. Boy, well, you're going to get the Iglesias people on you again. I'm not talking. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. But, but, but I bring those two up together because they had more than twice as many plate appearances than Nixon Zell. And they had the exact same number of walks. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Sinzel is going to get on base. Sinzel, I, I'm, I'm not worried at all about Sinzel. If there is anything to worry about, I think it's much more uh, worrisome, the health issue. And I'm not really particularly worried about that. But I think uh, you're right. That's the that's the key. Well, and, and you know, talking about how his numbers drop, I'm looking at the splits. And in his last month, last 28 days when he played in, you know, he played in 22 games, started 16 of them. You know, his batting average was 175. He was only getting on base at a 257, and his slugging was 317. Nixon Zell's not a 575 OPS guy. No. No. So, you know, so, so you know, whether it was the shoulder was bothering him, and, and, you know, and he's young and, and dumb, and, you know, this thing was probably bothering him before, you know, for a, a week or so at least before he started telling anybody about it. And we, we, you know, that all players, a lot of players do that, not just young guys. But I would think it would tend to happen more with young guys that they don't want to give up their spot. They don't want to, you know, let anybody down. They, you know, the, you know, whatever. And they think they can play through it. 
But you have to believe that, that, the, that the shoulder was bothering him in that last month when the numbers are this atrocious. Yeah, yeah. So ultimately, not. I don't think anyone would call it a good rookie season, but plenty to build on. And uh, Made yeah. it a great July. Oh, would anyone be surprised if Nixon is an all-star next next year? I don't think anyone would. I mean, he's got that kind of ability. I'm not necessarily predicting that, but I don't think anyone would be surprised. Uh, so that's Nick uh, Senzel. But the the other guy I wanted to talk about quickly before we get to the big topic of this podcast is uh, Sonny Gray. Sonny, you mean the guy I predicted to be at the beginning of the season would be an all-star? Did you predict that? I don't remember that. I, we're going to have to go back and find it. I, you better I, go back into the records. Then. No, no. I think I'm pretty sure I edited that out if it were, was said at all. <laughs> it was never said, I, I'm guessing. So, uh, Sonny Gray, I thought this was interesting. Beginning August of last year, and including all through this season, Sonny Gray made 31 straight starts. Now the Nolan Ryan number, yeah. In which he allowed six hits or less. Yep. Now, Nolan Ryan probably pitched, you know, a third more innings than uh, than Gray did over that stretch. But still, Sonny Gray has not had a start for the Reds in which he al- allowed more than six hits. That's pretty amazing. It's really, it's, yeah, it's kind of a you know, goofy little number, but um, I don't think anyone would have predicted that, number one. Even even those of you that predicted he would be an all-star wouldn't necessarily predict that. But what's amazing to me is, I mean, certainly his numbers on the year are fantastic, you know, 2.8 ERA. Just uh, he's about to go over 200 strikeouts for the season, which will give the Reds uh, two guys with over 200 strikeouts for the first time since I don't know, like uh, Bruce Barini and Frank Pastore, I think. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who really. But his last 14 starts, Sonny Gray, dating back to his last start in June. So we're talking since his last start in June until currently, 10 and four record. Well, the Reds were ten and four in those fourteen starts. He's seven and two personally. One point seven five ERA. Hundred five strikeouts, thirty two walks. I mean, I mean, I mean, that, I mean, it was over a course. I mean, those are Bob Bob Gibson type numbers for half a season. Fourteen starts. I mean, you know, it just yeah, uh, it's like, uh, like you said, the innings aren't the same. But, you know, so it's tough to compare what they're doing now to what it's just to pull a guy out of the air as Gibson, like in '68. Who was you know who? who I, I don't know. I'm not have the number right in front of me. But my guess is he threw close to 300 innings. Bob Gibson threw 1,041 innings in that year, that one season. <laughs> he sure. threw every inning every. they had all season. Yes. Certainly, you're right. The value in what Sonny Gray brings is not going to be as much as somebody that pitched a ton of innings. But when you just talk about what starting pitchers do these days, it's extremely valuable. And then when you look at uh, wins above replacement, for example. He, he leads the Reds in wins above replacement this year. He's over five wins above five point three according to Baseball Reference wins above replacement, and that's the ties for the highest total that he's had in his career. Uh, the 2015 season, which he, in which he was so brilliant, made the All Star team with the uh, Oakland Athletics as a 25 year old. Uh, Sunday Gray's next start is probably going to set a career high for wins above replacement. Just I'm I'm mesmerized by how good this guy has been, and. Uh, you can't say it came out of nowhere because he's been an all-star before. It's just that they ran him out of New York on a rail, and turns out this guy's got all kinds of uh, good stuff left. And the Reds have him signed now for three more years after this one. So, well, and 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 I don't know if they still have comeback player of the year, but he would sure have to be a candidate. Well, you think so? You would absolutely yeah. think so. Well, he gets it through three hundred and four point two 
innings in 68 and came back the next year and threw 314. Is that right? See, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, yeah. But, but, and not that it matters and not that we have to have one or the other, but if you were picking who's the one and who's the two right now, who would you pick? I, I can't. I really, I can't distinguish between the two. Uh, you know, I, I, I still like Castillo because I think his ceiling is still higher. He's still young. He's still going to get better. But Gray has, been, you know. I think you always know what you're going to get from Gray, though. Yeah, I think so. Some days you may, you know, and, and part of that may be young and part of that may be, you know, the fact that he walks more guys. Uh, you know, you, you don't always know what you're going to get from Castillo. True. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you know what? I, I'm happy to have them both. That's exactly what I was going to say. They both <laughs> pitch for the Reds. I mean, that if you're looking for a reason to be, uh, you know, pleased or a positive from this season, that's top of the list. Uh, yeah, I, going back in my in my brain without sitting here and going through, you know, web page, you know, pages, I can't remember the last time the Reds had two starters this good. Oh come on! It's obvious. It was recent. I'm listening. Tim Adelman and Luis Alberto. Oh, there we go. Yeah. You know, uh, you're demented. There he goes again. Um, the, in the four seasons before this one, according to baseball reference, or excuse me, the three seasons before this one, uh, 16, 17, and 18, total combined, those three years, he put up, uh, Sonny Gray put up 2.9 wins above replacement. He now has 5.3 this year, and then in 2015, the year before that stretch, 5.3. So he had a sort of a three-year stretch. He was injured uh, part of that time, and um, but it was kind of a uh, coinciding with the end of his uh, Oakland tenure, then on into New York, where he just was not great. It wasn't terrible, but wasn't great. So Derek Johnson. Yeah, we had worse. <laughs> yeah, Derek Johnson. He, he still would. He still would have probably been the number one here. Yeah, that's true. Even over uh, the Scott Feldmans of the world. So anyway, Sonny Gray, I like you. Let's talk uh, now about you and I were sort of brainstorming some potential topics for this week's podcast. And it's a little difficult this time of year, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, why anybody's still listening to this at this point in the area, it says a lot to, you know, to you and Jason. And I guess, you know, cause people want to listen to you guys talk. So yeah, yeah nobody's tuning in for you. That's a fact. No, I know. So, uh, well, as long as you're I'm just, I'm just Jason. I'm just Jason's placeholder. That's right. Exactly. You have no idea how true that is. I mean, never mind. Um, but, but as we were sort of brainstorming some topics, you had one that I thought was uh, really a good way to kind of, kind of frame the 2019 season and then what the Reds have to do going into 2020. And that is how much confidence should we have in this front office? And then a, a related question is, uh, will they quote unquote go big? in the off season. So confidence in the Reds front office, uh, you know, it varies amongst the depending on who you talk in the Reds fan base. Uh, what do you think? You, you have, are you confident in this current group? I am semi-confident. I, I don't know if confident, but I'm, 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 I'm not willing to, I don't want to go back to the way that we were doing things before. Um, as we've talked about, and you guys have talked about on the other on the, you know, on the other podcast, this front office is, is is convinced ownership to do things they never would have done in the past, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Did they make, you know, and, and they said they were going to go out and get the pitching. You know, it's hard to argue with that, even though, and I want to, and I want to talk a little bit about 
about the bullpen later. But, um, you know, they went out and got the pitch. I mean, one through five, this is a, and that's not even counting, you know, whether you count Malley or Wood. This is a pretty damn good rotation. Oh, so no they question. Went out and yeah. pitching, and, and none of us ever thought that the, that the hitting would struggle the way it has. So am I confident in the front office? Ask me that question this time next year, because that's when I think that, that we'll be able to give a full report card. We knew we knew that this season would be strange just because of the contracts they took on and the players that they traded and got. And, and there were there were so many guys on their walk years. And it was and it was almost seemed like a filler year. As they, you know, as they cleared money off the, off the, off the butt, you know, off the payroll, and and, and it, it made you, it made us think, or at least made us hope, that they've got a plan going into this winter, to be competitive, absolutely competitive in 2020. At least that's the way I feel. Yeah. Confidence in the Reds front office. Yes, I will say tentatively. I'm cautiously optimistic. I think that the that's you, a good way of putting it. Yeah, you're right. They have made some decisions that we never would have seen from previous regimes. I mean, it's really stark over the last you know eight nine months. The difference in the decision making in Cincinnati. Something changed within that front office. Um, we have ideas about what that is, but the fact is something has changed. So so we got a, a group that's running it that I have more confidence in terms of uh, having people in place that are going to make analytically inclined decisions and decisions that are uh, not so dissimilar to what you'd see from other teams. You know, the Reds were playing with a one hand tied behind their back. For yeah, years. All of a sudden we feel like we're playing the same sport. Really? Now, <laughs> that being said, I, I agree. Let's talk next year. And there's a, there's a good viewer mail question we'll get to in a moment. Uh, that's kind of addresses this a little bit and takes it a different direction. That I want to discuss later, but uh, you know, they've got real work to do. And, and the problem is this current uh, regime is, having to kind of un- recover, I guess, is the word. Recover from a failed rebuild. I mean, Walt Jockney's led rebuild was a disaster. It was, it was yep. a, com- a complete disaster. They tried to go- get, they, they sold people too late, and they tried to sell and get uh, players that were quote-unquote major league ready, and so they wasted so many assets. And it, you know, well, for example, the Reds and the Braves started their rebuilding process at the exact same time. The Atlanta Braves have a very good chance of going to the World Series this year, and the Reds are trying to, you know, not lose 90 games again, uh, if that tells you anything. So something went big time wrong. I don't know if this is the right front office to to be able to recover from that mess, but I'm certainly more confident in them than in the the Walt Jockety era Reds front office. Yeah, the, the other thing that, 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 that occurs to me is, They've set themselves up now where they have a glut of cash, but the free agent market's going to be thin. And they and, and the, the farm system is kind of thin. And if they're going to make changes to address their weaknesses, it almost seems like they're going to have to make trades. And they don't have anything off the, really much off the 25. It's not on the 25-man roster that's going to bring anything. And that goes to your next question of, uh, will they go big this offseason? I think they want to go big, but you know, what, what makes you say that? I think they know they have to. 
mean, we're well, talking about a fourth straight terrible they, season. They needed to as long as I can remember. And they've never, they've never, ever, ever done it. Yeah, when when has Castell- Bob Castellini gotten out of the way until this year, though? I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying it's for me, it's a matter of I believe they'll go. Big. I don't. They've never even been really been in the running for a big free agent ever. But the point I was going to make was, I think they want to go big. They're going to want to make a huge splash this offseason. They know this is it. It's do or die time. It's all in or else. But- I, I hope you're. I hope you're right. But I'm. I'm from Missouri. They have to show me before I'm going to believe it. Okay, for the third time. I, I want to see. Can I finish? Can I finish my thought? Number one, whether whether it's Gregorius <laughs> or or Lindell or whatever. I want to see that you know Reds make. Hundred and twenty-five million dollar offer, Bill. I, I I'll, I'll go out and dance in my backyard in my underwear. If I see oh that. gosh, Bill, Bill. I was trying to finish this same thought that you've not let me finish twice. Now this is the third <laughs> time. What I was going to say was, I think they want to go big, but I don't know that they're going to be able to go big because of what's out there. And because you know what? Yes, the Reds are being run by smarter guys now, but almost every other team, they're run by smart guys too. So the Reds may have good intentions, may be willing to spend big dollars. To keep you from running around in your underwear outside. I'm going to yell at you to get off your lawn if you do that. <laughs> but, um, but you know, good intentions and wanting to do it and having the money to spend doesn't equal being able to actually convert that. So it's going to be a fascinating offseason to see if they can actually convert. I'll be, well, I won't be happy, but I'll be happier if I just see the effort. If, if I see them willing to make a commitment in terms of a, a huge offer, at least that would be a step in the right direction from where we've ever been. Go out and break the bank for Anthony Rendon. Bring him in and put him at second base. I mean, certainly it requires Rendon to agree to all this, but that's the type of guy I want to see them in the mix on. You know, a guy yeah, the, who the, would, the, pre, the premier guy. Right, right, and and you know. Uh, w- we can talk about whether the premier guy for the Reds would be Rendon or Gregorius, as you said, or or Yasmani Grandal. I think Rendon's clearly the best hitter of that group, but uh, all all would help the Reds. But whoever it is, the Reds, if they're going to be serious about competing in Major League Baseball, they are a Major League Baseball franchise. Then they've got to compete for these guys. They got to compete for the best players. And if we can't compete for those guys, what are we? Why are we wasting our time? I'm going to pick up, uh, you know, Tiddlywinks or something. I don't even really know what tiddlywinks are, but it sounds funny. So, anyway, it's going to be the most fascinating offseason probably of my entire uh, lifetime as a Reds fan. Well, last, went, last season was an interest, a, a very interesting offseason. You know, the, it, the, this front office went a different way, you know, by bringing in guys in walk years and, and, and filling some holes that you knew were going to be open again at the end of the year. And we said at the beginning of the season that, you know, that we didn't know how this was going to turn out, but it was, at least it was different and it was going to be interesting. And it has been. I wonder yep. how, how much of that was because they tried to do other things like we're talking about and weren't able to get anything done, maybe on the free agent market or whatever. And they thought, well, we got to do something big. And that was, it was pretty big what they did. Let's, let's try this strategy of maybe this is where the, the market's inefficient. These guys on this on one year deals. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know, you know, and 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 you maybe you know, and you kind of hinted there that we you may be right. We may never know that they that whether they make these big offers. We heard that they, you know, that they weren't interested in, in Cutchell, uh, 
Isn't that how you pronounce his name? Uh, Keichel. Keichel. And because they, they thought he had some arm issues and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we don't know when they're making offers unless somebody makes them public. So there may be more going on than we're aware of, too. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, anyway, there, there's, uh, as I said, there's a good beer mail question coming up about that that'll get us a little bit more back into this topic. But uh, you think Turner Ward's a hitting coach next year? Sure, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I don't see why. You know, he was had a reputation of one of the best hitting coaches in baseball. I, I, I'm not disagreeing. I don't see why, you know, one season of some players underperforming. And who almost, re- almost every player underperformed. Who? On this on this team? Yeah. I mean, Other really. Suarez, who didn't? Look at it. But uh, but are any of them that far off now that we're at the end of the season from what we would have expected? Senzel is down. Can you not blame that on Turner Ward? I, I don't think so. Uh, Votto, uh, you know, I'm not blaming Turner Ward for Votto. So, I mean, who else? Uh, but, but, see, you're, you're looking at this the wrong way. It's easier to fire a coach than it is to fire players. I agree, but they just brought him in. I, I'm not saying they will, and I'm not saying they should. I'm saying they won't and that they shouldn't is what I am if, saying. If there's anybody on this coaching staff that I want to see gone, it's J.R. House. I don't want to see anyone lose their job, man. Come on, why are you trying to get people uh, lose their livelihoods? Because I want somebody better coaching third base. <laughs> Has there ever been a good third base coach for the Reds? Is every team like this that they get upset at the third base coach? I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 maybe it's because I was young, but when I was young, I don't remember being getting as upset with third base coaches. But I, it may be a sign of age. It may be a sign that you are able to watch a lot more games these days, and so these well, third, that's true too. We see a lot more of these uh, failings where we wouldn't have seen them in the past. I, I, I don't know. He may be the worst third base coach. He's had several just completely boneheaded. Uh, but we weren't. But but to be fair, we weren't happy when Billy Hatcher was over there, we, and we weren't happy. We weren't happy with anybody that's been at third base for yeah. a while. Yeah, that's my point. So I, I wonder if every yeah. team is just everybody hates their third base coach because every once in a while, third base coach will get somebody thrown out. Um, even the best of them. So I don't know, but I I, I don't well, have any issues with the coach. Point, you only you only notice them when something bad happens. True. True. <laughs> um, otherwise, I just want to never. Uh, it's kind of like uh, umpires, you know, referees. You don't, you want to just not notice them. Yep. So. Well, uh, let's see here. Well, you th- that kind of leads into one of the other things you wanted to talk about, and I thought we might get into that a little bit later. But let's go ahead and kind of briefly go through this question. We're almost finished with the season, 16 games remaining. How do we evaluate David Bell? The, the way managers are generally uh, evaluated are wins and losses. Yep. So I, he doesn't uh, look too good on that. Uh, on that, he front. doesn't come across as a resounding success. No. Um. Again, I kind of look at it a little bit like I do the front office. You know, I, I feel like at least now we're we're doing things the same way everybody else does. You know, using analytics, using defense shifts. You know, and I, and I think I think the defensive positioning this year has been not talked about enough. I think it's helped this team a, a tremendous amount on defense because this is not a good defensive team. It's been a huge help. That's why the pitching staff. Part of the reason why the pitching staff yep. has been so good. Yeah. Yep. I think you're. I, think, I was going to say I think you're exactly right to compare it to what we just said about the front office. I, I'm. I, I like David Bell. I'm very encouraged by what he's seen. 
We didn't get the and results. I, and I think he's kind of grown in the job as the season's gone along. Sure. And that was going to happen for any young manager, yep. brand new. But to me, again, he's putting us on the same playing field as the rest of the league. And that's what's caused a lot of the consternation about David Bell is a lot of Reds fans. Oh, why is he taking the pitcher out so early? Oh, why, you know, why is he pinch hit all the time? Oh, my, why is he, you know, doing the lefty righty matchups? And, and, and why is he changing his lineup around so much? Why is he shifting so much? It's because that's what other good teams do. And so we're just now seeing it in Cincinnati for the first time, so we aren't accustomed to it. But that's why people are complaining about him. I think that uh, once people realize that he is actually putting us on more of a level playing field, I think they're going to appreciate that. Now, whether he's a good manager or not, I'm not willing to say that yes or no. I am encouraged by what I've seen, but he's, you know, show me, as well, you said. And the other thing with managers is, you know, you know, there's there's three thirds to it. There's the, you know, this the, the the dealing with the players, and then then there's the you know the on field stuff, and then there's dealing with the media and all that stuff. And we see, you know, the part where dealing with the play, you know, with dealing with the on field stuff, and 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 I and I think we run into kind of a generational thing, or 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 something. I don't know if generational is the right word. My dad thinks he's the worst manager he's ever seen in his life. <laughs> for, for just the reasons you said earlier, oh, he pinch hits all the time. But my dad doesn't watch anybody but the Reds. Right, right. You know exactly. Um, but you know the players seem to love him. Last, uh, I agree, and he does uh, stick up for them, and uh, to the tune of twelve or fourteen <laughs> or sixteen right. ejections at this point. I want to see if he can get one hundred and sixty-two ejections next year. That's got to be a record. <laughs> Well, my 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 only concern though is, and, and I have no idea whether this is even a concern. Because if the players like you too much, and I don't know what too much is, it makes me concerned about accountability for mistakes. Well, I don't it, think we know near enough to know whether that's an issue. Right, exactly, and I don't think you ever do. Right. You know, I hope he's. You know, if a guy does something really boneheaded, I hope they're. You know, they're getting a talking to. It's not just oh, ha, ha, don't do it again. You know. Yeah, but let me just go back to what you just said because I have a good story. Uh, about a week and a half ago, I went to see my grandmother. She is. Uh, she'll be ninety three next month, and uh, just uh, uh, still, you know, twice. As, we would give her a podcast. She's uh, she's hilarious and brilliant. But anyway. She she, uh, she doesn't get to watch too many games, but she follows them in the newspaper and everything every day. And all she wanted to talk about last time I was down there was, they got to get rid of this manager. I don't even know his name, but they got to get rid of this manager. He's not do- cutting it. <laughs> well, okay, I've heard that. Well, before. my dad's eighty three, so <laughs> there you go. So, um, but anyway, yeah, I I don't know if it's generational. I think that it's just Reds fans have not. I don't I, I don't think it is generational because I've had a bunch of twenty somethings uh, tweet at yep. me about how awful he is. So. I think it's just we've not seen this, but this is this is baseball. This is baseball in 2019, and uh, the Reds. If, if you haven't noticed, the last few years of doing it differently, the Reds got left behind. So it's uh, from the front office level down to the on the field level. It was it was time to change. So uh, if you don't make a change, nothing's going to change. That's what they say in uh, certain uh, areas. So I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, they may get to 70 wins this year, and that'll be something. Which isn't where either one of us predicted them. Not even close. No. Just to get back to 76 wins that they uh, had in 2014. Just to get back to that. 
they're going to have to go nine and seven the rest of the way. And I'm not at all confident that they will do that. They just seem like they, and I don't want to use the Q word, but nah, come on. There, I, I don't there, does, there doesn't seem to be a lot of fire. Let's I, say that. Nah, I don't know that I agree with that. I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing that, but it may be, I don't know. I hope that's not the case. Sheesh. I know uh, Marty and Jeff got uh, Brantley got all over them last night. I know I'm ready to quit. <laughs> They're wearing me out. Uh, you want to answer some viewer mail questions? Sure. All right, we got some viewer mail questions here. As always, these are actual letters from actual viewers. Before we uh, take some of those, the first uh, group of uh, viewer mail questions we're going to take come from patreon.com slash redlegradio where you can support us if you wish. Got a couple of big thank yous to, to send out first before we do that. A couple new uh, patrons. Nathan Connor. Nathan Connor, new supporter, member of our community. This group we're building at uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash redlegradio. Nathan, thank you so much. Nathan Connor, that is a, uh, that's a relief pitcher. That's got to be a relief pitcher, right? Actually, I think he's related to the to the guy that in the Terminator. So not even baseball at all. No, he's 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 Sarah Connor's brother. Sarah, oh wow! So part of the resistance or rebellion yep. or whatever that was. That, yep. Okay, good. All right, I'll, I'll come by that. Nathan, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Thank pa you, Patrick Hasler. Patrick Hasler as well. I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it. H A S L E R. Patrick Hasler, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us at uh, uh, our, our growing community of viewers here at uh, Patreon. Thank you so much. Patrick Hasler, first baseman, power hitter, left-handed power hitter, power hitting first baseman. He's, he's going to take over from Votto. Yeah, yeah, probably. He's probably the heir apparent to first base. So, Nathan and Patrick, thank you all so much. The first viewer mail question that we've got comes from Kyle Kapler. Kyle Kapler asks us, besides Ryan LaVarnway, who is the greatest obscure red from the 2019 season? Besides Ryan LaVarnway, and of course that's LaVarnway is obviously going to be the obscure. And when we talk about obscure reds, these are the guys who, as if you heard our Patri last uh, Patreon exclusive episode, for those of you that are uh, joined us uh, at Patreon, Chris Garber and I talked about just an hour of talking about obscure reds, and it was hilarious. We had a great time. So, um Obviously, it's the guy that five years down the road, you you be like, I kind of remember that guy, but not really. So besides Ryan LaVarnway, who's the greatest obscure red from this season? Boy, that's a... That's tough. If you take LaVarnway away, you, you've really got to squint. Yeah, I mean, Juan Gratterall might be that guy. Yeah. Five yeah. games. He would, he would be the other obvious choice. Uh, Brian O'Grady could end up being that guy. R.J. Alan, Alan, how you pronounce Alanis? Alanis, yes. Alanis. That, that's he, he's he's a possibility. I think he's probably number one. Okay. I mean, you know, five years from now, he's twenty eight now. You know, he's this is not a guy that's going to have a real career here probably. For as little as we saw him, we could say Cody Reed. Yeah, but Cody Reed's going to be here back next year. I'm, I'm I agree. I'm, but you're right, three games. But just in terms of obscure. Yeah, that's probably. What about Joey Votto? No, I don't think he'll ever be obscure. He doesn't qualify. No. Um, Kyle Farmer's the, maybe the guy that I would have predicted coming into the season. 
but he uh, he changed some minds there. All right, so good question. I say what, I, and, and I think we've talked about this a little bit. He's done he's done a fine job for the Reds this year. Yeah, for what he's you know he's the twenty. For what they guy. expected of him and what they I mean he's helped them every he played everywhere that he possibly could. He's you know he's shown some pop. I, I think he's got a pretty good major league career ahead of him. Yeah, maybe I don't have any problems having Cal Farmer, but again, if he's uh, one of your primary options, you're in trouble. But if he's the guy that's going to spell people at right. four, four or five different positions, there's real value in that. Yeah. Yep. Um, Kapler had a second question. Kyle Kapler, double K, that's what I call him. Kyle Kapler asks, what are your thoughts on Chris Taylor and Jonathan VR as two dark horse trade candidates this off season to fill the shortstop gap? So Chris Taylor and Jonathan VR. And I really wanted to answer this question, Bill, for you because I knew that you were going to be really excited to discuss this, because Chris Taylor, Chris Taylor, of course, uh, plays for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the infamous Los Angeles Dodgers. The infamous Los Angeles Dodgers, and having another good season, um, solidly above average season. Uh, he's tw- in his age 28 season right now. And Chris Taylor, uh, let me a- ask you if you know this, uh, Bill. Do you know where uh, where Chris Taylor went to college? Oh God! Let me guess. You know you you, and we talked about you really having a problem. You you, you need to get help. I don't know anybody. I, I went to a college. I went to university, and then worked at the same place for thirty years. And I'm not as eat up as you are. I don't know anybody that's eat up about their undergraduate college as you are. Grow up. Move on. Get off your lawn. No. <laughs> I'm at work yesterday, and I walk. Uh, I get finished, and I walk back into my uh, office right around lunchtime and look at my phone, and I have this text from Bill Lack. I've never met anyone as obsessed with their college as you are. It's a sickness. <laughs> Bill, I was like, whoa, whoa where did that come from? Um, this I've is, been listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> which I, I'm, I'm just amazed that Jason's never unloaded on you about it. Uh, Jason's unloaded on me uh, many, many times about many, many subjects. But uh, so, uh, anyway, back to the question quickly. Chris Taylor is—he's uh, a guy who's going to be arbitration eligible next year. Three years of team control after this one. You know, my thoughts on Chris Taylor are that he is that he would represent an upgrade, but not a difference maker for the Reds, right? You know, maybe you play him. I mean, he plays a bunch of different positions. He's played one, two, three, four, five, six different positions this year, including second base and shortstop. But he's also played 57 games in the outfield, all three outfield spots. So uh, I would love to have him as kind of a, what we're hopefully envisioning Josh Van Meter is going to be. But I don't know. Yeah, you, the way you said it's right. He's it, not a difference maker. I would love to have him. And, uh, you know, I don't know if the Dodgers. Depends, you know, depend on on the cost to get him. Right, right. And I don't know why the Dodgers would want to move him, frankly, you know, uh, because he performs a, a pretty vital role for that team. But then again, it's the Dodgers, and they may decide they've got a bunch of better players. Jonathan VR, we all remember him uh, from uh, his time in uh, Milwaukee, where he had uh, a couple of uh, pretty good seasons. Uh, he's with Baltimore right now, and having a having a good season, and maybe, maybe the, not quite the best of his career, but uh, a pretty good season. He's played strictly second base and shortstop, and I kind of look at him the same way in, as that, yeah, he's, you know, I wouldn't mind having him. He's going to be a, basically a four-win player this year. That's pretty good. That's actually better than I thought uh, as, I, as I look down and see his, uh, his wins by replacement numbers. Um, 
so that's pretty good, but he's going to be 29. And yes, I would rather have him as my, I don't know if I trust him at shortstop, but uh, full time. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, but certainly as a second baseman, I think he represents an upgrade over anyone we have. Let's see, he's going to be uh, two years, I think, two years of team control after this yeah. one. So, yeah, I would like to have both those guys on the team. And I think that if the Reds were to work out some kind of deal, as you said, depending on the cost, I think it could uh, it could help. But, but they're not the kind of guys that we're talking about that are going to put us into contention next year. No, but... The but they're upgrades. They're upgrades, and the Reds need to be looking to upgrade at every single position. Always, 100% of the time, they need to be looking yep. to upgrade at every single position. So uh, if they upgrade, great. Um, bring in those guys. That's fine. Let's see here. All right, Hooper Powell asks at Patreon, Hooper Powell, are you comfortable, comfortable with limited power at the two main power spots, being first base and left field next year? Or do you see a trade coming this offseason bringing in more pop? And then he has a, a second question we'll get to in a moment. So are you comfortable comfortable with limited power at the two main power spots, being first and left? Or do you see a trade coming this offseason bringing in more pop? Uh, not having power is uh, not a good thing in the current day yeah, It puts you at a disadvantage. It does. But, uh, you know, the Reds have gotten, what, 23 home runs or more out of left field this year. So I don't know if that's zero pop. Votto has no pop. No, his power is gone. And it's not coming back. It's just, it is what it is. I love Joey Votto and I had never wanted to bet against him, but uh, it, his power is not coming back. I mean, he's going to get on base. I, and before we get off of this question, I want to talk, let's talk a little bit about your article in Cincinnati Magazine this week. Yeah, if you haven't read it yet, go to uh, Cincinnati Magazine and, uh, and read. Uh, I wrote about Joey Votto this week and share it and all that nonsense uh, on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere. They uh, they like that over at the magazine. But anyway, I just basically said Votto kind of is what he is now. Uh, what he's done over the last two seasons, a two seventy five hitter, three eighty nine on base. His OPS plus is 113, and I think that's probably in the neighborhood of what we can expect out of Votto the next couple of years. Uh, just a reasonably good hitter. It, it, Ages hit him. It just is. I think it's a fact. What do you think about Votto? I I think, and, and you know, and I was worried about this beginning of the season that we're seeing the downward trend of, of Joey Votto, and, and I hope it's not a quick trend, but it concerns me. Uh, the, the biggest thing that concerns me is the, the drop off in the things that we thought would would extend his valuable life as a hitter, which is you know the, the lower strikes and a higher walk rate, and they're both you know they're going in the wrong directions. And, and that concerns me more than anything. I agree. You know, last year, 2018, it was a down year by Votto standards, certainly. That's when the power really first disappeared. But he still led the league in on-base percentage at 417. So, again, that's exactly what you were saying. Those are the things that we expected Votto would always have. This year, I when I started digging into I didn't realize it had gotten so bad. Votto has the a uh, walk rate of 11.9% which is down from 17% last year and 19% the year before. So that's a huge drop. It's just an astounding drop for someone with Votto's, uh, you know, prowess at uh, reading the strike zone. Um, well, and, and, and as you point out in the article, he's swinging in a lot more balls outside the strike zone. 
Exactly. Yeah, you're right. He's uh, and I've got the numbers in front of me. He's chased 21.6 percent of pitches outside the strike zone. So and almost, what's, his, what's his career average been for that? Oh, I'd have to look that up, but I know it was 15 or 16 percent the year before, 15 okay. uh, the year before so, that. So in one year, it went up 15 or went up five percent. Yeah, That's yeah, huge. it's huge. And and so I look because a lot when I. I posed this question on Twitter, and a lot of people were like, well, pitchers are pitching him differently. And I don't think there's any data that shows that. The number of pitches thrown to him that are within the strike zone, pitchers aren't throwing any more strikes or fewer strikes. They're throwing the exact same number of strikes as they always have, pretty much. 43.6% this year compared with, I think, 437 for his career. So uh, it's just that he's, I think that he's aging, and so he's his reflexes are not as good, and that's why he's swinging at some pitches, because he has to make that decision a little quicker. Well, the other thing the other thing is, as someone that has gotten older, the other thing that gets old is your eyes. Yeah. I'm, I think that you can absolutely attribute aging to at least some part of this. Um, the other thing is his strikeout rate. You sort of mentioned that a moment ago. His strikeout rate is the highest of his career, 20.2%. So he's walking less. He's striking out more. This is not the Votto that we uh, expected to see. Now, um of course, it's hard to blame some of that, some of those strikeouts on his swing because he's struck out looking more this season than ever before in his career. And that could be the eyes. And that could be the eyes. Yeah, some of it is umpire error, as we've seen many, many times. Oh, but, absolutely. But that's true with every hitter. Sure, sure. Now, if you take more pitches, you're going to get more bad calls. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. So, I don't know. I, I think Votto is a good bet. I would – I'm. This may be one of my wild predictions before next season is that Joey Votto will have an on-base percentage over 400. I mean, he since August 1st he's been uh, he's been much much better. Um, his walk rate's close to his career norm, so maybe he's finally figuring out a swing. I just uh, I don't want to believe it's over. Yeah, I was talking to my editor at Cincinnati Magazine. That's one of the things I said. It's just really hard to see a, a legend begin to you know kind of fade a little bit and. Uh, because uh, he's just he has been a legend, and it, it kind of hurts those of us that have watched this career. But that's that's kind of what we're seeing. But that doesn't mean he can't be a a good player. But now he's not going to have power. So the Reds probably do to go back to Hooper's question. Probably do need to. They're going to get some power in here from some area, right? Yeah, they're going to. I mean, they, we, we you know we know they need at least one big bat or a couple of pretty good bats. Uh, and and they and they're gonna have to have somebody you know they're gonna have to get more whether it be Aquino whether it be whatever they need to get somebody that can knock the ball out of the ballpark. Yeah, yeah, they got that Suarez guy. He can hit the ball out of the ballpark. Forty four big ones. Yeah, he's doing okay. He's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not telling you. How about this? The Reds don't need to acquire anyone else, but Suarez needs to hit eighty eight home runs next year. Or he could just hit twice in the lineup. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I'd, I'd sign me up for that. Or we could clone him. <laughs> Can we do that? I don't think so. No. We want to clone. He, he's too delightful. Oh. I don't think you could clone that personality. I'm not sure how the cloning works these days, but I'm not sure that the science has caught up so that we could clone his personality as well because he's he's delightful. But even if he was the evil Suarez, if he could still hit, we'd take him. The evil Suarez. Oh, man. <laughs> Be right back. I could go to write a, write a screenplay. Uh, Hooper's second question. Uh, who would you have, like to have your back in a bar fight, Jason or Mr. Lack? That's Mr. Lack to you. <laughs> that's, that, that's how we speak to our elders. Who would I like to have my back in a bar fight, Jason or Mr. Lack? Um, let me ask you a question, Bill. Mr. Lack doesn't get in bar fights anymore. He's too old. <laughs> uh, 
But, Mr. Lack, did you serve in the military? Yes, I did. And what branch did you serve in? I was in the United States Navy. Yes, I want the Navy guy. <laughs> Having my back. So, sorry, Jason, love you, but uh, that one's going to, I don't care if you don't get in bar fights anymore. Um, anymore? Is that what you said? Anymore? You, you I, didn't say any, I, I didn't say anymore. Ooh, that'll have to be a question somebody asks next time about his, uh, to recap his, some of his bar fights. Woo the Reds asks at patreon.com slash redlegradio. When will we see the return of Chad's movie reviews? I bet I know what your vote is on that one. Well, if you want to hear about movies that nobody ever goes to see, then Chad's your guy. <laughs> really, man? <laughs> You're crazy. I watch only the very best movies. Uh-huh. The next question was <laughs> from... Uh, Chaz movie reviews. I love doing movie reviews. Those are uh, those. I don't know. Some people like them. Some people don't. Maybe during the off season when there's less to talk about, we may get into some of those. We will also ask: Is Frozen Two the most anticipated movie in the coming months? If not, what movies are you looking forward to seeing between now and the end of the year? You excited about seeing Frozen Two, Bill? I never saw Frozen One. Wait, what? Really? Really? I don't have little kids. Bill, really, really? All right, that's that is not. Uh, Frozen was delightful. Oh God, and I'm yeah, sure it probably was. I had a, I had a little girl at the time. She's not so little anymore, but uh, so uh, she loved it. So we and we had to hear that song. Uh, phew, goodness, for months and months and months. Uh, it's not my most anticipated money. What mov- movie? My most anticipated movie the rest of the year. Uh, I've got a couple here. Let me go ahead. Uh, no movie reviews, but number one for me is The Irishman. It's Martin Scorsese's uh, upcoming film. It's going to be on Netflix. Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, Harvey Keitel. I mean, come on, really? So The Irishman, three hours of Scorsese and all those guys. There's one called Ford versus Ferrari that's coming out soon, directed by James Mangold. It's got uh, Christian Bell and Matt Damon, uh, and uh, it's uh, supposedly really good. The one I'm going to get yelled at for not mentioning is Joker. But I, am, I do want to see, there's a new Joker uh, movie coming out, and uh, I think Todd Phillips directed it. It's got Joaquin Phoenix as Joker. And then the final one is uh, Marriage Story, which is a Noah Baumbach film, and Noah Baumbach's one of my favorite directors. So There you go. You, you got an answer to that question, Bill? Uh, movies that are coming out that I'm interested in, uh, the Judy Garland movie. Oh I've seen a trailer for that a couple times. Oh, it looks, oh, looks yeah. like it's very good. That's right. You're being serious. Yeah. Yeah, that's the Renee Zellweger uh, stars yep. in that movie. Yeah, right. Yeah, that looks like it's pretty good. Uh, the, the the one with Brad Pitt and Tommy Lee Jones, Ed Astra. Yeah, that space movie. Looks interesting. Yeah. I, I, I like my son and I will absolutely go see the Terminator movie. Uh, there's a movie in, coming out in the fall that's called The Good Liar that has Helen Mirren in it. And I will see almost anything with Helen Mirren in it. Helen Mirren. Classic Hollywood star. I agree. That's- if you've never seen her, is is uh, oh, what was the name of uh, what was the name of the TV series she did in England years ago? Um, Prime Suspect. If you've never seen Prime her as, in Prime Suspect, when she plays in, Jane Tennyson, Bill, you're right. You're on brand with uh, Helen Mirren. Love, by the way, this is right on your your brand. On my brand, your brand hashtag brand. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. When you see the Terminator movie, will you report back and let us know if Nathan Connor is in it? 
Yes, I will. Okay. I'm looking for him in the credits. Okay. Last one, Parasite. Are you excited to see Parasite, the uh, new film by Bong Joon-ho? I've never heard of Parasite. Oh, that's one I'm actually excited. That's one of the ones that would go to what you said earlier, that films that no one... No one sees, yeah. Yeah, I want to see that one. All right, so we... See, I don't count The Irishman because it's on Netflix. If I don't have to... It's not a release to me if I don't have to go see it in the theater. So, oh. but, then I, but I agree with you. I do think it's, it's probably going to be very, very good. It's a movie. It's showing in some theaters for a week, and then it's going to Netflix. Oh, is it? I thought it was just on Netflix. It's just some independent theaters. Big theaters. Big uh, chains won't uh, won't run it because it's on Netflix. Woo the Reds also asks, by the way, let me ask you, Woo the Reds, uh, are you as grumpy about the woo as you are about everything else at the ballpark? The, oh, I hate the woo the even, more than and, I, I, even more than I hate the uh, the wave. Yeah, I figure. He asks, and, and, and Chris Welsh hates, even Chris Welsh hates the woo. Uh, well, uh, I'm not sure that uh, I agree with either of you on that. Well, that's because you're wrong, uh, as you so often are. Yeah, after 5 o'clock, I'm pretty much wrong about everything <laughs> every day. So, Well, you ought to get used to it because nobody's allowed to disagree with you during the day. Exactly. <laughs> Woo the Reds asks, and this is a good question. This is one I want to uh, really uh, dig into just a little bit here. As discussed on the fan favorite Hunt for Reds October podcast, that is, uh, that is another podcast, The Hunt for Reds October. Woo does appear occasionally, um, or as they call him over there, Gary, because he won't tell anyone his real name, uh, or Greg. What is it, Gary or Greg? Greg Gary is what I'm calling him. Um, if the Reds have another disaster season, and if you listen to Hunt for Reds, I do encourage you to listen to that one. Listen to all these Reds podcasts that are out there, but that one, don't listen to it with uh, your children in the car. That's just my warning. Um, if the Reds have another disaster season next year and fail to make the playoffs, will it be time to blow things up and do an all-in rebuild this time? Or is that not until 2021 at the earliest? And do you see ever see Bob Kessinley ever going along with an all-in rebuild regardless of when it happens? So let's uh, fast forward a year. The Reds have another season like this one. Don't make the playoffs. What happens at that point? Well... Is it a disaster if they don't make the playoffs? Let's say they finish 80, win 88 games next year. Let's dream. And they don't make the playoffs. Is that the disaster season he's talking about? I wouldn't think so. Yeah, I mean, you got to define disaster season first. Yeah, I, to me, another disaster season is below 500 again. Yeah, yeah let's, I think I agree. If they're below 500 next season, that is a disaster in terms of the rebuild. Uh, time to blow things up at that point? How do you ask the fan base to sign up for another three, four-year rebuild? Boy. At that point. I don't know. I honestly don't know. what. And and at that point, you know, is owner is, is are the owners going to be out of patience with the front office, with everything else? I mean, if you're going to blow things up, are you going to really blow things up? Perhaps. I mean, really. Be sad. <laughs> to to most of the fan base, this front office. We've talked about why we think this front office is different, and I do think they are in the last year. But to most of the fan base, they can't tell any difference between who's running this team since this rebuild started. And uh, I'm sorry if Nick Crawl gets uh, and and Dick Williams get uh, you know painted with the the jockety brush. But uh, if they let me let me just say this: teams that are serious about winning would have to absolutely, if they finish below 500 next year, would have to absolutely evaluate why are we not winning? Probably should have already done this. And, you know, make changes, serious changes 
to get there. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you make the case that, or we screwed this up, you know, next year we come in and it'll be, uh, you know, what, five, six straight losing seasons since 2013 is the last winning season, right? Um, now just give us three or four more years and we're going to get there. Man, I, I don't know how, I don't know how you make that case to the fan base without huge changes across the board to demonstrate that, you know, uh, there's going to be something different. And, and, and guys like Nick Crawl may lose their job even if they don't deserve to, I guess. I, I, I can't agree with you. And I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, changes, changes, changes. And, 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 you know, evaluating what you do, you know, but the, some of the things that they, that they put in place this year, the things they're doing in the minor leagues, they aren't going to, we aren't going to see that at our level right away. It's going to take, you know, a couple of years, you know, where they're, where they're working with players individually and giving them their own programs to work on that kind of, we've never done that before here. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, we're not going to see the results of that. You know, maybe we saw some of it this year with Van Meter and Aquino, maybe, you know the the better coaching staff and the in the in the, the uh, organizational philosophy. I, I I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But the idea of just blowing up and starting over, where you feel like you've at least got a a semi base, you know, I, I I would have a real hard time with them saying, okay, we're going to blow everything up and and start over after after next year. I would basically be done. Yeah, so you think you don't think that they will? You think that'll take something more than just uh, what we call? I think it. It'll, I think they're going to give next year and at least and one more year before they really feel like they have to make dramatic, go in a dramatically different direction. To Wu's point, I don't know if they ever will. Well, and it, it's absolutely possible that Castellini will ever be willing to just blow it up. What they should have done was what the Houston Astros did before 2011. You know, the Astros had. Uh, you know, had one. They had a, an 86 win season in 08, but then back to back seasons of 74 wins, 76 wins. You know, they'd been right between like 86 and 76 wins for five or six years in a row. They just they wasn't working. Fourth place, fifth place, third place, fourth place, and they absolutely tore it down. But in doing so, they put a regime in place that was going to change everything, top to bottom. And the Reds should have done that from the beginning, rather than handing it to the old school guys. And yes, the Astros won 56 games and 55 games and 51 games the next three years. But what they did was they built an organization that is set up to be successful, you know, for the foreseeable future. I mean, you know, we're talking about, to me, that they've been the best team in the league the last three years. So, you know, that's what they should have done. They screwed that up. That's what they would... I guess that's what they would need to do this next time if they didn't do it. But I just I, I don't see Bob Castellini doing it. I just don't. I never I don't I don't think it'll ever happen. So ugh, why do we have to talk about that? Ugh. Yeah. I feel uh, like I need to spit. <laughs> please do. <laughs> um let's see. Patreon.com slash red leg radio. Jay Cottrell. Uh, says, as already noted, Chad's home address is kind of difficult to find. I fear my time spent scouring the internet for his home address could have got me on some uh, FBI watch list. It's not a question, but uh, you are definitely on that watch list. Jay does have a viewer mail question. Who would win a good old-fashioned baseball fight between David Bell and Lou Pinella? And he specifies not like a Puig or Garrett versus an entire team out there looking like Chuck Liddell fight, but like a good old-fashioned theatrical, it's not like anyone is actually going to get injured baseball fight. 
David Bell versus Lou Pinella. Oh, that's a that's a good that'd be a good match. It's not as a yeah. At first, I thought obviously Lou Pinella, who's a crazy man, but you know I've seen David Bell get excited. He went after Clint Hurdle on the field. Yeah. So yeah. if I had, I would probably go David Bell because I you know I think he was you know and I don't know what I mean I don't know what we're, what ages we're talking about. We're talking about Bell now versus Pinella when he managed the Reds. You know I don't know what you know. Yeah, yeah. Like Bell could take Pinella now. <laughs> right, yeah. I'd say that's, I'd say that's true. So. Yeah, so I think I'm going to go with David Bell. Yeah. Because <laughs> Pinella's like, what, 88 years old or something. Nathan Connor asks about Yasiel Puig. How would you guys feel about giving uh, Aristide, Aristides Aquino starts in center field for the rest of the season with an eye on bringing Yasiel Puig back next season in right field? Hash Brown viewer mail, he says. Giving a Keno, well, first of all, here's how I feel about giving a Keno starts in center field. Sure, I don't care what they do the rest of the year. Play guys everywhere. Find out what they can do. Um, if he could play center field, okay, great. I don't know that he can. He's pretty athletic, though. Um, and bringing Puig back, I'm fine with that. You know, hey, there's not very many right fielders that are going to be available in the free agent market. They're going to be better than him. But I don't know that he's a huge difference maker, but I think he improves the team. So uh, what do you think about that? I, I kind of agree with you on, on, on all points, you know, I don't really, I, 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 I don't really care. And, 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 the, and the numbers from this point out really don't mean it, aren't going to mean anything to me, I, but I liked having Puig on this team. If he came back, it wouldn't bother me one bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be happy about that. Um, all right, let's uh, run through. We'll try to do some uh, rapid fire Viewer mail questions here from twitter.com slash Red Radio. Luke Manning asks, we keep talking about Anthony Rendon, D.D. Gregorius, Francisco Lindor, but what about trading for Trevor Story? I don't remember you guys mentioning him, but given the state of the Rockies and the needs of the Reds, he seems like an ideal fit. Thoughts? Trevor Story has had a spectacular season. Uh, two straight, as a matter of fact. Uh, he's been great, very good his entire career, but he's had two straight, just really superb seasons. He's a... 26-year-old, two-time All-Star. He is a legitimate shortstop. He is under team control for, what we got, I think, 20, 21, 20, at least three more years after this one. So uh, he's the type of guy the Reds should be targeting. Yes, I don't know how you get him. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to get? What do you have to give up to get him? What I'm afraid is that I think, yeah, if I were the Reds, I would give up just about anything for Trevor Story. Now, you know, uh, some of that's fueled by uh, by Coors Field, obviously, but uh, on the other hand, he hits pretty well away. He, and he's he's the real deal. Trevor Story's the real deal. Is he a superstar? No, but he's a one of the better shortstops in the majors. And he would represent a clear upgrade, so yes. But I just worry that the Reds, because of the way they screwed up this rebuild largely and they didn't, uh, stock a bunch of assets. It's all been through the draft. They didn't tra- get any real assets for their minor leagues in, in any of the trades when they screwed around at the beginning of this rebuild. So I don't know. They, they didn't get any gems. No, they didn't. They should have been trading for you know elite talent that was really young. Instead, they traded for Jose Peraza and Scott Shebler and and, and players of that that were close to the majors. <sighs> anyway, I don't know that the Reds have enough to get it done. Because if Trevor Story is available in trade, there gonna be lots of teams that want him. Well, and that's kind of what I said earlier. You know, they 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 don't have anything valuable to, to 
when, when the only way that they're going to be able to help themselves is in trades and they don't have anything to trade. Well, I don't know. It depends. I don't know. Um, but if you're, you're going to have to give up value to get value. Yeah. And I'd give up anybody the Reds had just about, uh, I don't know that it's not enough. You trade, would you trade Castillo for story? No, no, no. Well, then you, then you wouldn't give up just about anybody. I was thinking just uh, minor league assets. Oh, see, well, you ain't going to get him for minor league assets. We don't have minor league assets that are going to bring somebody like this. I don't know. I don't know. Ooh. Hunter Green, straight up. They never take it. Oh, come on. Why wouldn't they? What's, what's Hunter Green ever do to make anybody suspicious that he's going to be a, anything but a star <laughs> in the big leagues? He has popped back up on Twitter. Oh, has he? I've I've stayed clear of both Twitter and Hunter Green. <laughs> so I think that's probably a good plan for you. Yeah, um, he, did, he did start throwing a little, at least tossing a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so yeah, wish him nothing but the best. No, I saw that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think he could rebuild his value very quickly if he comes back healthy. Um, okay, uh, we had another question as we were uh, two questions from Patreon as we were talking. Just let's rapid fire those. Nathan Sturworth asked, "Do you think Stuart Fairchild?" TJ Friedel or Jose Siri could help the Reds outfield in 2020 or 2021. Also, is there any chance that Scott Schebler returns to the major league roster in 2020? I don't have any expectations that any of those guys are ever going to be starters for the Reds. Uh, Fairchild and Friedel, I could see it. I don't see it with Siri. I don't think Schebler ever. No, I don't I think Schebler's done as a Red. Um, I don't think he'll be with the organization next year. Right. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um I could sort of squint and see Fairchild or Frieda working into a guy that could, uh, can, depending on, you know, uh, defensively, uh, whether they can stick in the big leagues. And I think they can. Um, I just, I've never trusted Siri uh, for whatever reason. So I don't see him. I don't, it depends on what you mean by can they help the Reds outfield. Yeah. but I think Doug's more of a fan of his than, than you or I are. Yeah, I never have been. Um, Stephen Offenbaker, host of the Reds Alert podcast, asks, What's your go-to karaoke song? Sing us a few lines of it. Yeah, there's not going to be singing from me, but you got a go-to karaoke song, Bill? I have never done karaoke in my life. There isn't enough beer in the world. And believe me, no one wants me singing. So if someone were insisting you do karaoke, you would probably get into a karaoke bar fight. Is that what I'm hearing from you? No. My go-to karaoke song, Funky Cold Medina. Decline phase asks at, uh, I could do like God's own drunk. Cause that's one of them talk songs. <laughs> right. And it describes you is, uh, I beg on, your on Twitter at Jeff Gluck, 1755 asks, is Josh Van Meter a latter day Scott Schebler? I don't really understand what that means. No, I mean, I don't, I don't see that Van Meter and Schebler's careers have been uh, completely different. Uh, and, uh, I'm very high still Van Meter struggled lately, but I'm still very high on what he can bring to the Reds going forward. Um, Mr. Saturday night asks, how excited are you for Orion? The new giga coaster opening at Kings Island next spring. You excited for that bill? Nope. No, I'm not, I can't say that I'm excited. I've not been to Kings Island in a, in a few years, but uh, I haven't been to Kings Island in a million years. And even when I did, I didn't do roller coasters. So you're not a roller coaster guy. Why, why no, you, not why, at all. Oh Never God. have been. Oh, you're crazy, man. I love me some roller coasters. We, let me tell you, we rode a good one uh, this summer at uh, Universal Studios in Orlando. This uh, they got a new Hagrid roller coaster. You know, Hagrid from those uh, Harry from, Potter from the uh, Star Trek movies or whatever those are. Um, 
And that is a great roller coaster. Just opened this uh, this summer. You know, you're funny in how much you try to act like you don't know, you know current <laughs> culture and stuff. You know, I don't. You're trying. You're trying to be so cool, and you're really not. Hey, do you know where Haggard went to college? Uh, let me guess. <laughs> Pete Wills asks, "What was your favorite moment of the 2019 season up to this point?" Dietrich's walk off on opening day is mine. Others that come to mind: Puig fighting the entire pirate team. The second Pirate Brawl, Aquino, Votto proving the haters wrong, Marty, and 150 years. What's your favorite moment of the 2019 season? Probably the the, the games when Aquino, you know, the 10 game span or whatever it was when Aquino was just going insane. He he said he said your favorite moment to the of the season up to this point because I and I'm glad he said that because I was actually going to say my favorite moment will be. The end. The end of it. Yes. Um, I'm with you, Aquino. I think that's the thing that we're going to remember from this year. And that was a legitimately fun time. I mean, every time you hit one, I was like, "Why? He just? How did he do that again?" So, that's a good call. We actually agree on something there, Bill Lack. That's what I believe. Timmy the Giant asks, "Do you actors ever get stage fright in front of your show's many viewers?" Hashtag viewer mail. Ever get stage fright? No. No, me either. Me either. I'm, a, the, I'm the consummate professional. There's, no, there's professional. nobody listening. So. <laughs> They're viewing. Come on, Bill. Oh, I, I forgot. <laughs> All right. I guess let's call it a wrap. Uh, another short podcast like we expected. Uh, yeah. yeah, this is exactly what we expected going into the day. Nothing to talk about this time. It'll probably be a short one. <laughs> uh, he's Bill Locke. I'm Chad Dotson. You know how to subscribe. We're at Apple, Tunes, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Apple Tunes even, whatever Apple that Tunes. is. Yeah. Um, or everywhere, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts, we're there. Subscribe, like us, leave us a good review if you would. Tell a friend about us if you like us. If you don't like us, why'd you listen this long and, and keep your mouth <laughs> shut? Yeah. Um, find us on Twitter, uh, at Red Leg Radio, patreon.com slash Red Leg Radio. You can support us if you want, but obviously not a, not required. This uh, weekly podcast will remain available to everyone, whether you support us over there or not. But we do have some goodies and some things, and it's been a fun uh, fun way to get to know some of the some of our uh, supporters. So Bill, any final thoughts for us? It'll be over soon. It'll be over soon. Wise words for Bill Lack and Thomas Jefferson, the founder of the university of Virginia. This is Chad Dotson saying so long everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.